This is exactly right. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I am Dr. Dan, your host. And let me tell you a little bit about Parent Footprint, where our mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same, seek our own happiness, seek our own health, and be engaged in our lives. We believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting. And with this increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children and our grandchildren. Today's show is called Time to Parent, Organizing Your Life to Bring Out the Best in Your Child and You with Julie Morgenstern. And I would like to tell you about Julie because there is a lot to tell. Julie is an organizing and productivity consultant, New York Times bestselling author and speaker. For over 30 years, Julie's been teaching people all around the world at all stages of life how to overcome disorganization to achieve their goals. Her mission is to free each individual to make their unique contribution to the world by helping them design their own systems for managing time and space that feel natural and are easy to maintain. She has consulted internationally with several organizations. I'm just going to name a few that you all know of, American Express, Microsoft, FedEx, Sony Music, State Farm, and Viacom and TV, to name a few. She's also been on countless TV shows, The Oprah Winfrey Show, CNN, The Rachel Ray Show, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and NPR. She has a host of publications in all of the major newspapers and publications, which I am going to move on from because there are too many to list. And she is the author of several books and now called Classic Tomes, including Organization, or excuse me, Organizing from the Inside Out and Time Management from the Inside Out, uh, both of which have been developed into popular specials for PBS. Something very cool is that she also co wrote Organizing from the Inside Out for Teens with her daughter, Jessie. Now, something else that she has written, which I was looking at this morning, is called Never Check Email in the Morning Right After I Was Checking My Email. So I've got a lot of work to do on this. And that's now the basis for a popular training program, which is conducted for Fortune 500 businesses and organizations worldwide. I'm almost done. She also has books, Shed Your Stuff, Change Your Life. And today, of course, we are going to be talking about her latest, Time to Parent. Julie, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Dr. Dan. I am very excited to talk to you because I love the mission of your show. We've got a lot to talk about. So first and foremost, why did you write this book specifically for parents? Well, I've been a professional organizer and a time management coach for almost 30 years. And I never set out to focus on parents in my business, but I'd say over the years, 80% of my clients are parents because the parenting years are 
without a question, the most time-stretched, complicated to organize years of a human's life. And parents have kids and want to do right by their kids. We all want to raise happy, healthy, self-confident children into adults. And it's just, there's never been a roadmap of how are you supposed to do that? How do you, in essence, balance raising a human with being a human? There's been no time management manual. There are no time management brochures handed out when you have kids at the hospital, which I, I, I was like, where are the time management brochures when you have a kid or when you go to the pediatrician's office or in the offices of schools? So parents want to do right, but there's never been guidance. And we've been kind of swinging the pendulum back and forth over the years, right? One generation to the next. We spend too much time with our kids. We spend not enough time with our kids. Too much, not enough. Today's generation of parents are spending more more time with their kids than any generation in history. It's as both men and women. However, it is often at the cost of their own self-care, their marriage time, and their own sort of uh, sleep. Uh, so mm-hmm. what is the right balance? And, and I really felt like if parents have a roadmap, some guidelines, they can make the job their own. It's not a prescription, but it's like any job. What are my responsibilities? Can you give me the edges? And I was able to do that. And I think that the payoff um, for having a little bit clear guidelines from a time management perspective. How do I balance this? Where are the edges? Parents can spend far less time feeling guilty or worried about how they're spending their time and what they're neglecting and more time actually being present. So that was the goal of the book. That's okay. Everyone's, you know, right now they're listening and they're going on Amazon to get this thing because you just hit... You just hit so many good points in that explanation um, that I'd like us to pull apart. So for, ex- for we're going to hit the guilt thing because that is rampant uh, parent guilt these days. But before we get to guilt, um, obviously, you think it is possible, like there is a way to balance time for oneself and time for kids in a way that one is a good parent. A hundred percent so. 100% possible. Us. So first of all, you have to change the way you think about your time as a parent in a couple of different ways. So first of all, I think one of probably the biggest unlock here, honestly, was when I went to write this book, I was like, well, how much time and attention do kids need to feel loved and secure? Because and I need, I don't know the answer to that. I'm a time management organizing expert. Yes, I was a parent. You know, I'm a parent and I've coached parents, but I don't know what the science says about how much time and attention do kids need to feel loved and secure? Because that's what we all want to provide, and that's the ambiguous thing that we never know how much is enough, right? We feel guilty when we work, etc. So I researched this for eight years, and I wow. read through. Th- thousands of pages of studies. I read the studies and the bibliography of those studies. I talked to leading experts 
in psychology, pediatrics, psychiatry, sociology, education, neuroscience, all in search of the answer to that question. Because if we know how much time and attention kids need to feel loved and secure, we can find the edges and we can then make room for the rest. You don't feel like taking time for yourself is stealing from your kid if you know what does it take. So hard to find the answer, but I found it. It took eight years. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of research. So, so liberating. And it's really good news. And here's what it is. This is the unlock. So what children need to feel loved and secure is small bursts of truly undivided attention delivered consistently, not big blocks of time delivered occasionally. And when I say small bursts, I am talking about five to 15 or 20 minutes at a time, maximum, maximum. And the experts, many experts say that you calculate, kids have short attention spans and you should calculate about a minute for each age of life. Think about that. I want everybody listening to think about that. A one-year-old has about a one-minute attention span before their eyes drift to the next shiny object. And a five-year-old, if you're going to have a one-on-one conversation with a five-year-old, in five minutes, that's it. Like you can't carry on a one-hour conversation (laughs) with a five-year-old, right? 15 minutes and our 15 year olds are our 15 year olds are done with us after 15 minutes right (laughs) yes they are they really really are and so if you recognize that and then delivered consistently which is just that they can rely on it and there's an accumulation of these moments that are just part of their rhythm of their day so if you think about not adding time if you feel disconnected from your kids or like, wow, I don't know if we're sp- I'm spending enough time. Don't add time. Change the nature of the time you are already spending with your kids. And just use the first five to ten minutes of every reconnection point you have with your kid in each day. Spend the first five to ten minutes focused on them. So when they first wake up in the morning, don't like, hurry up, we're late, get dressed, where's your backpack? You know, nope, it's take the first few minutes and just, hey, how did you sleep? Did you have any dreams? What's on your plate today? It doesn't take much, but you start when they first wake up, when you send them off to school, when you get home from work, when you walk through the door, don't have your phone in your hand. Before you cross that threshold, you want to set your intention on the other side. You walk through the door and it's, hey, how was your day? Then after that, together but a part-time is welcome, it's healthy, it's good for kids. But start with the reconnection points. And I tell you, it will transform your connection to your kids, their, your confidence, and it opens up time for everything else. It's powerful. This is, this is, prof- this is profound be- because this is, this is the information that most of us parents who want to be great parents are we're trying to find what you just said like like i want to do enough i don't want to do too much i want to do enough but what if i'm not doing enough and you just defined what is enough and what is healthy and i'm just going to repeat this for everyone cuz you guys we all have to internalize this small bursts of individual attention delivered consistently 
and somewhere around one minute per year of your child's life. You know, what's so great about this is we're all told one minute of a timeout for your child's life. It's all on the negative <laughs> discipline stuff, which, which that's a whole other yeah. conversation, which is under attack right now, timeouts. But we all got that prescription. But I, this is, um, thank you for those eight years. I mean, the, that you distilled it into something that's so actionable. It's so actionable. And it, it doesn't matter. You, it, you don't have to feel bad working. Every parent can do this. You could be working two shift jobs, but those moments where you reconnect with your kid, you make sure the first moments are the connected moments, and then uh, everybody can do it together but a part-time. And then if your kid interrupts you, again, you want to stop what you're doing and turn to them. And again, it's not going to take much. They, they are satisfied. If they have a question, I read another study that says if a kid asks you a question, interrupts you, in seven minutes, they're always no more than seven minutes and they're satisfied and they walk away. I know when I was raising my daughter and I was a single parent and I was running my business and I'm kind of a hyper focuser type of a person, right? Like I go really deep in whatever I'm doing. Clearly. When my daughter would interrupt me, <laughs> I would, yeah, eight years. But yeah, yeah, when yeah. I, when my daughter would interrupt me, I so often would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, because I felt like I was in the middle of something. And if I turned my attention to her, I'd never get back to it. Like it'd be, she was going to take a long amount of time, but they don't. And it's better to like, stop what you're doing, turn, see what they need. It makes them feel loved, important, secure. And they're done very quickly, and then you go back to what you're doing. I used to feel also when I came home from work, I felt so bad working that I felt from the time I walked through the door till she went to bed, I had to be all on all the time. That is a huge right. burden. And then huge. you don't have time for yourself. You have, then what no. happens? Your kid goes to sleep. Then you're up all night in your quiet me time, but then you're sleep-deprived. That's the and you're feeling and, this and feeling yeah. guilty. Sorry, and feeling yeah, that guilty. it wasn't enough anyway. That, and I did it. I was here all on all night and all weekend. No time for myself. All on with your kid, and you still feel like it's not enough. And you have no time for yourself. So this is so liberating. It is transformational. This information, and it makes so much sense when you think about it. It really does. So it really does. And so. Is it that simple in terms of the guilt now, transitioning to parental guilt, that mm -hmm. if we know what r makes a healthy kid, what, what ingredients, which we've just talked about with the bursts of um, undivided attention consistently for small periods of time, that alone takes away what percent of the guilt from your experience? I think it takes an enormous amount of guilt away. I think it takes almost all the guilt away. Like you feel like you're doing enough. You get it. Ah, you know, you, you give your kids a few minutes and they're satisfied and they go away. You don't have to feel guilty. Go back to what you were doing. And I would say in my experience, both as a parent, as well as a, you know, time management coach, organizing uh, consultant to parents worldwide, every culture, every family configuration, every age kids, all men, women, all of that. I would say that guilt and worry about, am I doing this right? Am I doing enough? Probably occupies 30% of the average parent's time 
and mental space. And if you just simply eliminate that, you get a time gain and a focus gain. 30% of your time comes back in your pocket. That's a lot of time. That's, That's currently wasted with worry and anxiety and like, I don't know, and I don't know if I'm doing, you know, feeling bad, which is just never productive. Uh, so No, it, it, but really, I know those thoughts no, so well. Yes. Uh, it's terrible. It's just doubt is terrible, but there's never been clarity, right? Ambiguity is a recipe for any job, for any job in any role, in any position, in any industry. Job ambiguity is a recipe for overwork, insecurity, and inefficiency. If you don't know what your job is, how do you know when your job is done? So I think it's very liberating. Very, very liberating. Feels great. So, so now you've so you've set the stage for we know what it we know what it takes to raise healthy kids. We um, know how to push guilt aside when we have some markers or some indicators about what is enough, and then where your work in this book um, and Parent Footprint are so aligned is in this self-care that in order for us to raise healthy kids, we need to show them how to be. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to be engaged in our life. And so self-care is talked about a lot, and it's almost like, oh, engage in self-care. So let's tell us about what you believe is critical about self-care for us parents. So I completely agree with you on what you're saying about the purpose of self-care, that the reason that we need to take care of ourselves, one reason, one of the main reasons we need to take care of ourselves while we're raising our kids is because it models what it looks like to be a happy, healthy, successful adult, right? And if you sacrifice yourself and you don't exercise and you're sleep deprived and you're not taking care of anything about your own passions or your own identity, your kids don't, they're, they're, they're seeing something that's not what you're teaching them. You're teaching them one thing, hey, you should exercise, but I'm not exercising. You should eat well, but I'm not eating well. And so that's one reason. When we are not taking care of ourselves, it's, it, it, it also steals time and energy from our kids. So I, in the book, I was originally just going to write this book about that quality time, about that quality connection, the elusive, difficult thing that all parents crave, don't know where the edges are, don't even know what it looks like. But as I was writing the book, Dr. Dan, I was thinking, if I only write a book about the quality connection, the quality time, it's not going to be really helpful to parents because they have other kinds of time they have to spend. So I started to think about what, what is the job, what are the edges of the job, and what kind of time do parents have to spend? And I came up with kind of like an oracle. I swear, I came out after swimming one day, and I was like, what is it we have to divide our time between? So this is the way I think of it. While we're raising our kids, what no one ever, ever talks about, no one talks about this, and I didn't realize it until my daughter was grown and I was reflecting on this for the book, The parenting, the years we are raising our children happen to be the prime of our own adult development years. Yes. Think about that. It's the prime. What the very parallel to the time you're raising your kids, you are 
establishing a career, you're kind of, and even if you decide not to work for parents who choose not to work and be home with their kids, they feel that ticking time of like, oh my God, I'm missing my window professionally or creatively. So you're in the prime of developing a career in a profession or your, your adult career talents. You're in the prime of building a love relationship with another grown-up. If you're married, you are developing social adult relationships. You're discovering who you are as a person exactly while you're raising your kids. And if you deny that, you will feel empty, unfulfilled, distracted. You're, you're not feeding yourself at a time when you really need to. So you have to balance raising a human with being a human. And I broke down the being a human into four components. Each one of those has four components. I've, I've defined the job as raising and being, and each of those have four parts. So let's talk about the being a human. In order to be a happy, healthy person, we need to divide our time between four activities that fuel us truly from the inside out. And together, these four spell very handily the acronym. Think of the acronym SELF, the word SELF, as an acronym for the four things we have to divide our time between. We have to spend I time I can remember sleeping, that. Right? It's very easy to remember. SELF. How do I fuel yes. myself? S-E-L-F. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure I make time for sleep. That's the S. Sleep, right? Sleep and rest. Parents do not do well by their kids when they're sleep deprived. You're not thinking clearly. You're not patient. You're, mood, you're moody. You, you can't be a creative problem solver on a sleep deprived brain. You just can't. You not feel like playing with them if you're exhausted. So sleep is one. Then the E, self, E for exercise. We have to exercise and move our bodies, not necessarily go to the gym, but we want to feel fit and confident and energetic to keep up with our kids and to feel like we can go the distance, right? As well as model healthy habits for our kids, but also just to be there. The next is L for love. We have to nurture. We must nurture Mm -hmm. our adult relationships because if we do not we are distracted. It creates crises that, that, that pull us away from being there for our kids. When your marriages are the first thing to get, second thing to get neglected. I think sleep is the first and marriages are the second, right? right. It's like, oh, right. we, right. you don't even know what to talk to your spouse about other than the kids. And so you lose that exactly. love. And that ends up hurting your kids because when you're not getting nurtured and that is in any kind of disconnect, you're, it's really hard to be there for your kids. And then often we, listen, I was divorced. Right. So, you know, it can really create disruption. It also models for your kids what love looks like and what being in a loving relationship looks like and having friends. I mean, kids love seeing their parents having friendships that model friendship for them, right? So don't be afraid right. of that. Love, you have to, and when you are nurtured as a grown-up, it's much easier to nurture an, a smaller human being 
But if you're not mm-hmm. being nurtured, it's really hard to nurture someone else. So that's the L. And then the last one is fun. F is for fun. And fun, I define as the passions and hobbies and pure relaxation activities that when we do them, we feel like us. You feel like nice. you. And I cannot tell you in all my years as a coach and an organizer, parents are like, are you kidding me? I don't have time for hobbies. Like, that's so selfish. Or there's no time. <laughs> right. Right. And and they put it off until their kids go to college. Right. And then they, but I tell you, it's not about, here's another way to change. So that's it. Self. I don't want to like keep going on and on and on and on, but that's the, to me, self-care is not just going and getting a manicure or taking a nap. It's the combination of all of those. And if any one of those gets neglected, not only are you not modeling it well for your kids, but your kids are going to pay and your time, something is going to go wrong. That's going to steal your time and attention from your health, from your marriage, no doubt. your love, from your identity. Yep. No doubt. And so, yes, sleep, exercise, love, and fun, everyone. Sleep, mm-hmm. exercise, love, and fun. And, and there, you know, I often find um, in my own life and my clients' lives, it's like we'll do anything. So those of us who have trouble doing for ourselves, if you can yeah. – position this as my child needs me to do this. Like That's the bridge to doing it for yourself. And these things right. are key. When they see you um, in love, have love, show love, they see what it's like and they can experience it too. Similarly, if they see us with lack of love, lack of zest, lack of fun and engagement, that permeates into their world as well. So if you don't feel you can do it for yourself, do it for them, and it'll be a double win. Now, let's, because can you I, break these down. Can I jump yeah, in go with ahead, one go. more thing? Sure. Can I jump in with sure. one more thing? And maybe you're going to go there anyway. But I think that there's two things that keep parents from spending time on these things. And I know when parents are hearing this, they're like, yeah, but where's the time going to come from? Like, there's simply not enough hours in the day for all of that. So one is the guilt, which we've talked about. That's one thing. And we've talked about that. And you're, you're giving everybody, like, really clear, do this for your kids. Don't do it for yourself. Get rid of the guilt. This is good. But the other reason why parents don't make time for themselves is because of their approach to self-care. And when I, by that, what I mean is we never adjust as once we become parents, no matter how old our kids are, I, parents don't make the adjustment in the way they are making time for self-care once you become an adult, once you become a parent. Because for 25 or 30 plus years, you spent large blocks of time on self-care activities. Date night went on for hours. You hung out with your friends, long walks around the river. You spent full days on the weekend on your hobbies. It was large exercise with 90 minutes, three times a week. You can't sustain the large blocks of time for as an, as a parent, you can't, it's just, you can't count on it because kids always surprise you with their needs and life is so dynamic. And so the answer is surprisingly the same answers for kids, smaller doses, learn to cultivate love in shorter bursts of time, 
Learn to do your hobbies and your passions in shorter bursts of time. Learn to exercise in shorter bursts, 20-minute doses or less. Self-care in 20-minute doses or less, also delivered consistently in your schedule. You could do an eight-minute high-intensity workout, and it's as high impact as 90 minutes three times a week, if not more, according to science. Oh, I love my seven minute my seven minute workout app. Um, I have come to love, and I think so. The theme, the theme that you are um, weaving together for us is this is all about quality over quantity. Um, the first part of what we talked about in terms of these uh, quality shorter bursts that are consistent with our kids, and now we ha- need these shorter consistent bursts of um, self-care for ourselves too. Consistent and shorter. It's quality over quantity. Now, Quality and consistency over quantity. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And so since you're laying this out so nicely and simply for us, we've got to know the other four. You've told us about being a human. Now, what are the four of raising a human? Okay. Also an acronym right? To raise happy, healthy kids, you need to do your part. Think about that, P-A-R-T, doing your part for another person. You have to, P-A-R-T, provide for our kids. This is a time balance, right? This is what we have to organize, spend time doing to raise happy, healthy kids. We have to spend time providing for our kids. That usually requires work and managing, making and managing money to pay for everything kids need, right? Provide. The next thing we have to spend time on is arranging the logistics of our kids' lives. Where are they going to go to school? How are they going to get there? What are they having for lunch? What do they do after? Who's picking them up? What are we doing for dinner? Who's cleaning the house? Why didn't somebody else clean the house? The whole thing, right? (laughs) So that's all the logistics, very time-consuming. Then we have to spend time relating to our kids. That's what we're talking about, that connecting time getting to know our kids for the unique individuals that they are. And then we have to spend time teaching our kids. We have to te- we are responsible yes. and want to teach our kids life skills and values that help them succeed out in the world. Provide, arrange, relate, teach. P-A-R-T. That's it. Oh, Think about you make that. this sound so easy. Everyone, listen to this. We just need to organize. <laughs> that is Julie's whole point. If we are organized and intentional about taking care of ourselves and taking care of our kids, we have mm-hmm. the time to do everything. I got it. You do. Yep. And, you know, organization, it's so funny as I've been out talking about the book and so on. Um People are like, wow, I didn't realize that my issue was actually a time management or an organizing issue. I thought I was a lousy parent. I thought I was a this. I thought I was lazy. I thought, no. <laughs> organization and time management, to me, I'm biased, I guess, but it's my particular lens. I consider them the oil, the oil in the machine of life. Whatever it is that we want to do, a system can help us, support us to get there. And it really does, it is simple. It's not an endless job. You're not juggling 5,000 things. You're, you're juggling two, raising and being. And within each one of those, you have four things you have to balance your time between and do it in a systematic, conscious, 
way. And when one of those, you know, takes over at the expense of others, which is what happens in day-to-day living, right? Like, oh my God, the kid's having a difficult time with something. You're spending more time teaching and less time arranging, whatever. You just adjust. And it just keeps you conscious and in control of your time and your choices. And that releases the guilt. Nice. Yes. Let's all release the guilt, everyone. New Year. Release the guilt. (laughs) Okay, Julie, I have so many more questions that I didn't get to. um, And that is fine because people go out and read Julie's book because we're we're at the Parent Footprint Moment question. The other other thing I'm going to tell people to look for is your parent time profile because that is really going to help them. This profile assessment, you guys, is going to really help you break things down for yourselves in a very um, understandable and simple way, which is what Julie clearly has a gift for. Okay, Julie, the parent footprint moment question. Yeah. Tell us of a time when you became aware of yourself as a person or parent, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. Sure. So when I was uh, raising my daughter, when she got into kind of, she was around 11 years old, kind of early adolescence. And we had gone, we were on vacation somewhere in some beachy place and she, we, we got a jet ski and she was like, mom, let me drive it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, no, (laughs) I'm going to let you drive this thing. And she, but her dad, we were divorced. So her dad, you know, as dads are often a little bit more courageous about these things, he had let her many times and I was really afraid to do it. But I, I said, okay. And I literally gave her the wheel and I took the back seat. Two (laughs) things happened. One, she actually did a great job. She clearly had a lot of practice and I was very blown away. I was like, wow, she's really good. She really had this skill. And that was what happened in that moment. But it also was extremely symbolic to me because I realized as she was moving into adolescence, my position and my role was changing. Instead of me having the wheel and driving and making all the decisions and guiding her that way, it was time for me to start taking the back seat and giving her the wheel. My job was more to be her coach rather than the doer. It was so profound and so symbolic, and it literally carried me through adolescence and teenager years. I just remembered I have to shift from doing for her to coaching her. My role is changing. And I think that's the hard, one of the hardest parts about parenting is it's like you want to do for your kid. You want to make things right, you know, and shifting roles as, they're, as they grow is really, really also part of the job. What is my role right now? And I have a really interesting uh, guideline that in the book that I found from a guy named Dr. Uh, Lawrence Steinberg about whenever you're unclear on what your kid needs from you at every age and stage, what's the question you need to ask yourself so that you, when your kid changes, you can keep up with them because they keep changing on us. And that was, that was my moment. It helped me enormously. Nice. That's a big moment. Um, and there is that faith and trust and courage it takes to, to figuratively oh, yeah. and literally let go of the wheel. Yep, that's right. 
Yep. Thank you, Julie, for sharing your wisdom with us in a way that even I can understand it. Everyone, we, we got gems today. Um, I'm just going to quickly reiterate. Here's how you be a human. You focus on self, sleep, exercise, love, and fun. Here's how you raise a human. You do your part. You provide, you arrange, you relate, and you teach. And this is how we balance being a human with raising a human. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for your wisdom, your breakdown, um, and helping us put this into action. Where can people continue to follow your work? Yes, you can start by coming to my website, juliemorgenstern.com, and you can find on the book page, there's a Time to Parent book page, and you can take the parent uh, time self-assessment. So you can kind of get a snapshot right there of what your current balance is, and that'll help you start making adjustments to spend more time on what you're neglecting, less time on what you're spending too much time on. And you can follow me on Instagram, Julie Morgan Stern. You can follow me on Twitter, Julie Morgan Stern, uh, Facebook, and and reach out to me. I, I really love the dialogue. I learn as much from you as you do from me and as you apply this. And just share this wisdom. If you like it, share it with other people because I think every parent can use a little bit of structure and that gives them a lot of freedom. Awesome. Julie, thanks for your time. We're all going to take this with us and do our part and focus on ourselves. Yes. Everyone, you know where to check us out. www.parentfootprint.com where we are completely aligned with Julie. Be the person you want your child to become. Focus on your own happiness, health, and engagement. It's for you and it's for your children. Ask yourself the question I ask myself daily. What footprint do you want to leave?